Let us pray. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our feverish ways. Restore in us our rightful mind and peaceful lives thy service find. In deeper reverence praise. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus said to his disciples long ago, and he says to us today, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. Words of grace. Back in the 1930s, the German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a little book entitled Life Together. It's about Christian community and its rhythms and its purpose. The first chapter in the book is called, logically enough, Community. And the second chapter is called The Day with Others. But what is striking is the third chapter, The Day Alone. Here, Bonhoeffer suggests that being alone is an important part of what it means to be a Christian. That's an uncomfortable idea for many of us. You know, in our culture, many people would do almost anything to avoid being alone. Our daughter is a Lutheran pastor in Rochester, New York, and she's very much an extrovert. This is the, uh, the kid for whom we bought a t-shirt when she was young that said, help, I'm talking and I can't shut up. <laughs> and she wore it with great enthusiasm. And her reaction to this morning's gospel lesson about coming away to a deserted place by herself was, that sounds like torture. And even if you're more of an introvert, being alone is, well, lonely. And it's difficult for us. I kind of like being alone for an hour or two or three. Our daughter got the extrovert gene from her mother, not from me. A few years ago, I went on a 24-hour silent retreat, and it, it wasn't torture, but it was definitely difficult to be silent for 24 hours. It's so difficult to be alone, in fact, that we've invented all kinds of gadgets and technology to at least give us the sense of, of having company. We get up in the morning, a lot of people turn on the radio or turn on the television, not really because they want to listen or watch, but just to have the company of noise. Or we get in a car by ourselves, and what's the first thing we do? Turn on the radio or the CD. We want to go on a walk or go to the gym, we put in earbuds. I'm always amazed at the gym to see people, almost everybody has in their, their earbuds listening to whatever, I don't know. Again, because we're anxious not to be alone. Bonhoeffer reminds us that an important part of the Christian life is responding to Jesus' invitation in today's gospel. Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. You see, rest is part of the rhythm of faith, and it always has been. 
Think, for instance, of the Old Testament provisions for Sabbath. You know, so often we read those provisions, what you can't do on the Sabbath, and think about how burdensome they seem, how how starkly prohibitive. And by the time of Jesus, the Sabbath had become an occasion for legalism of the worst kind. Jesus, of course, was constantly committing what the Pharisees considered violations of the Sabbath, and he was quick to criticize the way that the Pharisees had perverted the purpose of it. And yet that purpose was one he firmly embraced. The purpose of the Sabbath was to come away from the ordinary pursuits of life, to set aside time simply to rest. That's just what he's urging on the disciples in today's lesson. The disciples in the the section before this have been hard at work doing the ministry that Jesus had entrusted to them. And now he says, come away by yourselves. It is, for all its challenge, a wonderful invitation of grace. Because it is, you see, in the withdrawal from ordinary life, it is in solitude and silence that we encounter God. The psalmist says it so succinctly, be still and know that I am God. What he means is that until we find the time and the will to quiet the noisiness of our lives, both the outward and the inward noisiness, We cannot truly encounter God. The other day, Lois and I were listening to an interview with the cellist Yo-Yo Ma, and he quoted Isaac Stern, who said, the music happens between the notes. That's kind of a remarkable statement. I'm not entirely sure what it means. I've been turning it over in my mind, but it reminded me of something a choir director said to me one time. He said, music consists of notes and rests, and really the rests are the most important. The rests, you see, give the music its propulsion. It's the rests that give the music its shape, that keep it from being just a a cacophony of sound. And, And that's how it is with the life of faith as well. We need the rests to give our faith shape and to keep it moving. It's between the notes. It's in the silence that we find God. Well, that's all well and good, you may be thinking, but how do we find that silence? And that's a fair question, and it deserves an answer. Life is so busy, so very noisy. Let me offer just a a couple of suggestions. First, could you find time in every day to set aside everything else and just sit quietly? It doesn't need to be a large block of time. 10 or 15 minutes would be a good start. 10 or 15 minutes when you can just be by yourself, sitting quietly, no radio, no television, no iPod, no computer, no distraction. 10 or 15 minutes just being quiet, just following the psalmist's advice in Psalm 131, I have calmed and quieted my soul. And if you can't find that time in the middle of the day, get up 15 minutes earlier. Stay up 15 minutes later when everybody else in your 
house is in bed. Archbishop Anthony Bloom tells a a story about an elderly woman who had come to see him shortly after he was ordained a priest, and she was seeking advice about her prayer life. He felt rather inadequate for the task, being so recently ordained, but he listened to her, and then he suggested that perhaps she was talking so much that she didn't give God a chance to get a word in. And so he suggested that she go to her room and put her room in order and sit in her chair and just look around for a moment or two and then just knit for 15 minutes before the face of God. Well, the woman didn't think much of that advice from this sassy young priest. It didn't seem very pious after all, but after a while she didn't know what else to do, so she decided to try it. She came back and she reported that indeed this had really helped her. She began, she said, by kind of liking the idea that she had 15 minutes to do nothing without feeling guilty. Can you understand that feeling? Then she looked around and she discovered what a pleasant place she lived in. And then she began to feel quiet and peaceful. And then she took out her needles and she knit before the face of God. These are the words that she reported to the priest. I became more and more aware of the silence. The needles hit the armrest of my chair and the clock was ticking so peacefully and there was nothing to bother about and I had no need of straining myself. And then I perceived that this silence was not simply an absence of noise, but that the silence had substance. It was not the absence of something, but the presence of something. Silence had a density, a richness, and it began to pervade me. And all of a sudden, I perceived that the silence was a presence. And at the heart of the silence, there was he who is all stillness, all peace, all poise, See, it's in that heart of silence that we encounter the peace of God. And then, uh, could you find time occasionally to spend a longer period in silent solitude? That's harder. How can the world do without me for several hours at a time? (laughs) But you know what? It can. The world can. Your family can, your spouse can, your job can, your garden can, or your kitchen or your workshop. They can all live without you for a few hours. Think of it as spending time with a friend. I got a call this week from a a friend that uh, I hadn't seen in probably 30 years um, and learned that he had just moved to Grass Valley and, in fact, lives within walking distance of my house. I said, let's have lunch and catch up. Well, that's what you do, isn't it? You, when you have a, a friend that you haven't seen for a while, you want to catch up. You want to spend some good, solid time with that friend. And, and that's what this is about, you see. The friend is Jesus. After all, you know, in the gospel lesson, Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, go away to a deserted place. What does he say? Come away. 
That means he's coming too. And again, silence and solitude is about presence. It's about the presence of Christ with us. One of the things that I really love about Emmanuel is that you as a congregation have asked Father Seth to take a day each week for reflection. That is such a tremendous gift to him, but also to you, because it means that your rector is spending time regularly and deliberately in the presence of Christ, listening to Christ, attending to what Christ is asking. I can think of nothing more spiritually invigorating, and and that's a blessing for our congregation. Time spent apart is time spent with the Lord. Solitude is being alone with the Lord. Well, what do you do in this solitude? Well, that's sometimes a challenge. For a while now, I've been seeing an acupuncturist, and the way it works is that he does the treatment, and then I have to lie perfectly still for 30 minutes. And I'm lying face down so I can't read my book. First I thought, oh, this is great. A time when I can just be quiet and reflect on things. Unfortunately, I usually end up falling asleep. (laughs) But I think... That's why Anthony Bloom advised the woman to knit while she sat in silence. The thing is, solitude is not a passive thing. It may sound that way, but it is in fact quite active. It requires listening. And what you listen for is not really an audible voice, it's more of an inner listening. One way to do it is to ask God to direct you. Maybe you're seeking direction on some problem, a decision you have to make, or a relationship that's problematic. Ask God to tell you what he wants you to know about this, and and then be quiet. Let him whisper to you in that still, small voice. Another way of listening in solitude is to read the scripture, but in a special way, because you're reading not to learn more about the Bible, not to meet some goal that you've set for yourself of reading a chapter a day. Read slowly, reflectively, savor every verse, stop after every verse and consider what what God might be saying to you. Or... If you need something even more active, take an inventory of your life in this silence. Think about what you're doing with your life and how you might want to change it or redirect it with God's help. And again, ask God to guide your thinking. Um, Take notes while you think, because I know for me it's quite easy when things come to me in solitude. An hour later when I'm back in the busyness, I forget what they were. So jot them down. To quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer again, he he puts it this way. Silence is nothing else but waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing, but everyone knows this is something that needs to be practiced and learned in these days when talkativeness prevails. These days when talkativeness prevails. And he was writing 80 years ago before the 24-hour news cycle and talk radio and iPods and cell phones, how much more today do we need to practice and learn solitude and silence? We need to work at it if we're going to learn to do it. 
in Herman Melville's classic novel, Moby Dick, the narrator spends a couple of pages talking about the Whaleman's Chapel, which is presided over by Father Mapple. In this chapel, the pulpit is very high, and Father Mapple has designed it so that it will feel familiar to his congregation of whalers. So instead of a stairway up into the pulpit, he's installed a rope ladder, like one you'd see on a ship. And the narrator describes Father Mapple climbing into the pulpit and, and then very deliberately drawing the ladder up after him. And he puzzles about why this guy is doing this. And, and then he realizes it's kind of a symbol of the clergyman's withdrawal for the time from all worldly ties and connections. Oh, that's a perfect image for this solitude, this quiet to which Jesus calls us. It's a time to pull up the rope ladder, to be apart from the distractions of the world, and simply to rest in the presence of the one who invites us, come away and rest a while. Words of grace. Words of grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.